Open your Bibles. Y'all need to be bringing your Bibles every single week or else you're going to miss out. Jeremiah 29. Find me in Jeremiah 29. That's where we are beginning. As we are jumping into it, let me paint the picture of where we're going tonight. Hey, y'all, y'all. Whoa, 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 whoa. We got really excited about reading the Bible. Just flip it open. Eyes up here, Jeremiah 29. What's going on in this passage? Because as we jump into it, we are going to get to, I guarantee, your life verse. Some of you have this verse on your Instagram. You got the pray hands, you got the heart, and then you got Jeremiah 29, 11. It's the only verse you've ever memorized. It's your life verse. You're so stoked on it, but I wonder if you know what it's even talking about. I wonder if you know what the context is. Because this verse is pretty cool when you just read it on its own, but when you understand it in context, when you understand what is going on to these people, I believe it's gonna speak to you more than it ever has before. The the title of my sermon for tonight is this. What do you do when you don't understand God's plan? I wonder if some of you are there right now. I know I'm there, I know I've been there. Frequently ask myself, man, God, what are you doing? I don't understand what's going on. Maybe a tragedy's hit. Maybe there's been some kind of crisis. Maybe something got out. Maybe you got rejected from that team or that relationship. And and you're just going, God, I don't understand what's going on. The world around you seems like it's caving in. Or you thought you'd be farther in your relationship with God and you're not. Or maybe for some of you that you're a little bit more mature in the faith and you've been following Jesus for a while, that you expected this sin to be out of your life and it still seems to creep itself into your world. I don't know what's going on, but I wonder if you've been in a place, if you are in a place, and I guarantee you will be in a place, where you go, God, I don't understand your plan. I don't understand what's going on. What I love about the Bible is There's story after story after story of people who have felt the exact same way. And the Jews, the Israelites, the Hebrews, the people who were followers of God at this moment in history, when Jeremiah 29 takes place, they are looking up and they're going, God, we don't understand your plan. God, we don't understand what's going on. And then God does something totally surprising. So find me in Jeremiah chapter 29, beginning in verse 1. It reads like this. This is the text of the letter that the prophet Jeremiah sent from Jerusalem to the surviving elders among the exiles and to the priests, the prophets, and all the other people Nebuchadnezzar had carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Underline this in your Bible, and we're going to unpack what it says. That Nebuchadnezzar had carried. Underline that Nebuchadnezzar had carried. What is he talking? about here. For hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years, God had been speaking to his people, the people of God, the people he said, I want to be in relationship with you and I want to be in love with you and I want your love and my love, our relationship to be something that is a light to the whole world. You see, God didn't pick the Israelites to be in a relationship with them just so he could only be in a relationship with them. It was always that they would be a light to the world. This is really important because sometimes we think, man, God, all he wants is for him and I to be good. God has a bigger game plan with your life than just you and him being in a great relationship. In fact, he wants you to go out into your schools, into your friendships, into the teams that you're a part of, and he wants you to be a light. He wants the whole gathering of people that you are around constantly, your sphere of influence, your oikos, as Pastor Glenn would say. He wants those people to see that there is something so noticeably different about your life 
that they want to be in a relationship with the God that you're in a relationship with. Some of you may be wondering why we include so many extra seats here. The reason is, I want you to look around at these empty seats. And I want you to think about the friends. And we'll continue to add more as we continue to grow. We'll always have empty seats here because I want us to always be thinking about who is it that God is calling me to invite into this community? Who is it that because of my relationship with God, they're going to see the way God and I are intimate and close and they're going to think, man, I want to be a part of that. Who is it that God has put on your heart to be a part of this community? It's the reason I text you guys often, who are you bringing to HSM? That we want to be a bringer. We want to be people who bring in, and that's what's going on here is the people of God have had this intimate relationship with God, but over and over and over again, they have failed. Over and over again, they have abandoned God. Over and over again, they have said, God, no, thank you. We want to do our own thing. And he kept warning them. He kept saying to them, if you do that, you are going to experience the natural consequences of rejecting me. And people might ask, man, was God punishing them? In some ways he was, but how he was punishing them was allowing their sin to find its end. He was allowing the consequences of their sin to take them down the road that they were going in. And this is what oftentimes God will do with our sin. Is he'll try to get in front of us, whether that's through a sermon or a song or a community or a small group leader or a friend, he'll try to get in front of us and say, don't do that, don't do that, don't do that. But if we continue to reject him, if we continue to sin against him, if we continue to follow our own way, at some point he says, okay, if that's what you want, then you're gonna experience the fruit of that. You're gonna experience the results of that. Well, for hundreds and hundreds of years, that's what the people of God have been doing. And so finally, finally, King Nebuchadnezzar in the year 600 BC, these are not just like fairy tales. These are real historical stories. In the year 600 BC, King Nebuchadnezzar from Babylon comes into Jerusalem. He overpowers them. He defeats the Israelites and he takes them on a 600 mile journey all the way back to Babylon. In a sense, it's like, it's not a deportation, it's an importation. He's not deporting them back to where they came from originally. No, he's taking them from their homes and putting them in a foreign land where they would have traveled 600 miles. It would have taken them weeks and weeks and weeks, maybe months and months and months. I want you to put yourself in their shoes for a minute. I want you to feel the emotion of this. Can you imagine if right now, tonight, Somebody barged into your home and without notice, without time to pack, without time to argue or, or advocate for yourself, they took you 600 miles away to a place that you had never been before. What would that feel like? What kind of emotions would you be going through? What kind of questions about God would you be asking? What kind of fear would be filling your hearts? That's exactly what's going on. And so there is a letter. There is a letter that's about to go out to these people. And check out what it says next in verse 7. This was after King Jehochen and the queen mother, the court officials. We're about to read some really cool names. Um, hopefully like 10, 20, 30 years from now, you guys are having babies. And, and this would just be a list to consider. Okay, just a list to consider. The court officials and the leaders of Judah and Jerusalem, the artisans and the other skilled workers had gone into exile from Jerusalem. He entrusted the letter to Elisa, son of Shaphan. What a powerful name, right? I'm Shaphan. Okay, Shaphan. And to Gemariah, sounds like a disease, Gemariah, son of Hilkiah, 
whom Zedekiah, king of Judah, sent it to King Nebuchadnezzar in Babylon, and it said. Now, we are about to jump into this letter that the people of God, the Israelites, have been waiting for. They are 600 miles from home. And they receive a letter from God through the prophet Jeremiah. And they gather. And I guarantee they said, this is going to be our answer. This is going to be God's game plan to get us back home. You see, they, they, they are predicting what God's plan is. That God wants to get them home as quickly as possible. And then this is what the letter says. This is what the Lord Almighty, underline those words, Lord Almighty. Whenever you see in your Old Testament the, the, word, the wording Lord Almighty, it most always is translated Yahweh, Lord, and Sava Almighty. Say it with me, Yahweh on three, one, two, three. Yahweh. Yahweh. And say Sava on three, one, two, three. Sava. Yahweh means relational God all-knowing God, covenantal God, God who feels, God who loves, God who is intimate, God who cares, God who thinks about his people, who bottles their tears. And then Sava, almighty, means all-powerful God. It literally could be translated ready for battle God, warrior God. And so this letter comes from a God who loves and knows his people intimately, who is all powerful. And this is what that God says. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says to those I carried into exile. You remember Nebuchadnezzar and the people, they thought it was Nebuchadnezzar who carried them into exile. But God is saying, no, I'm actually in this, that even though this is painful and challenging, I'm in this because this is a result of you rejecting me. But if I carried you there, it doesn't mean I'm going to leave you there. And if I carried you there, it means I have something for you there. And this is what I want you to do. The first, first big idea, there's four of them. The first big idea is this one. When you don't understand God's plan, be still and wait. When you don't understand God's plan, be still and wait. Check out what happens here. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in numbers there. Do not decrease. I mean, as the people of God are hearing this, their jaws are dropping. This is exactly the opposite of what they ever wanted to hear. And you know how when somebody says something to you that's just totally out of left field, totally surprising, like you kind of clue in a little bit? I remember one time with, uh, with Charlie, I mean, I don't think I've told you this story before, but um, Charlie and Brinley and Lila and I were all in the car together. And Charlie started to ask a lot of questions about heaven. And he's like, what's heaven like, dad? And, and so we talked about it. There's, it's a place with no pain and, and no tears. And, and we're in the presence of Jesus. And we're in community with others. And, and we're painting this picture for him. And he's like, that sounds amazing, dad. He's like, he's like, dad and mom, are you guys going to heaven? And we're like, yeah, we're going to heaven. Like, we're going to be there. And, and Charlie has like this, this declarative moment where he's like, then I'm going to heaven. And we're like, yay. And we're like celebrating in the car, right? And then if you know my daughter, Brinley, I mean, I, Brinley and I are so similar because, you know, Brinley and I, we, we're the kind of people that we grow up. And if everyone says, hey, you should go to the right, you should go to the right. We're like, eh, we'll go to the left. You know what I mean? Like, that's, that's just my personality. So all of a sudden it gets silent and Brinley goes like this. Brinley goes, 
He goes, I'm not going to heaven. She goes, I'm not going to heaven. I'm going to the other place. I was like, this is insane. Like, my daughter is declaring she's going to hell. I'm like, this is awful. What's going on here? It was the exact opposite. And I'm telling you, it stopped all of us in our tracks. And we tuned in really closely because we said, man, this, this is a moment that we need to pay a lot of attention to. We need to help Brinley understand that that's not our desire for her. I mean, it really clued us in. And I think the people of God here, they were expecting God to tell them what they wanted to hear. And this is where you need to tune in. They were expecting God to tell them what they wanted to hear. But instead, God told them what they needed to hear. And be careful when you pick up scripture because it's not going to tell you what you want to hear. It's going to tell you something better, what you need to hear. And the first thing God tells them, he says, I know you're in exile. I carried you here. Here's the very first thing I want you to do. It's not pick up swords and run away. No, I want you to build houses. I want you to settle down. I want you to stay put. So, so if you're in a situation right now, I, I just read this statistic and this just horrified me this last week. Did you know that 80% of girls who are ages eight and under have already started dieting? Girls ages eight and under, 80% of them have already started dieting. Did you know that 90% that of young men when they graduate high school have watched porn and it probably began at an early age? That, that on, on average, 50 to 60% of young men are addicted to porn and the numbers are only rising with our young girls. See, wh why is all of this happening? It's because we don't know who we are as people because we're deeply insecure because we think that's what is going to bring us happiness, what's going to bring us contentment, what's going to bring us joy. And the problem is it's a lie from the pit of hell. And whenever we're in a place where we go, God, I don't understand why you made my body this way. God, I don't understand what to do with these desires that I have. We try to run. We try to go as far away from God as possible and do whatever we can. We, we run 600 miles in the opposite direction. And what does it find, where does it lead us? Where does it take us to a place of destruction and pain? More and more research is coming out that as, as there's an increase in young women watching porn, that one of, the result, one, of, one of the reasons behind it, one of the reasons behind it, is young women are asking the question, what is it that boys are looking for? And the problem in our culture, you know what the problem in our culture is right now is this, that for all of us, we look at people with their clothes on who have been photoshopped and airbrushed, and we say, that's what I'm supposed to be like, and we can never attain that. And then we look at false, counterfeit, broken, destructive pictures and videos of what sex is supposed to be like. And we look at those things and, and that's not real and that's not real. But for some reason, we're trying to match our lives to those. And what's happening is we're being destroyed in the process. I have so many friends who, because of pornography or because of excessive dieting or whatever, because of broken body image issues that, man, they can't be in a relationship with anyone. I know, I know, I know married men who can't have sex with their wives because they've been so 
brainwashed. They've been so rewired by pornography that the idea of being with a real person, a, a wife that they've committed to is impossible for them. And I don't know why, but um, Courtney and I actually, we got in this room and we just prayed over you guys today. And we we're just praying over the chairs and praying over what happens here. And I just felt like in that moment, I needed to challenge HSM. That for any of our young men or young women who pornography is a part of your life, tonight is the night you get rid of it. That tonight is the night that you say, I'm done with that because it will only continue to sell you a lie. They don't show you the hours and hours of videos of girls throwing up and, and the, the crazy amount of drug use that happens. And the way there's no kind of intimacy and love and care for one another. That guys, we, we've got to rise up as, as young men especially, but even as young women. That we've got to say, you know what, as the people of God, that with these desires and the urges that I don't know necessarily what to do with, instead of running to something else, we need to run to God. And that's not the answer you want to hear. Because you want to hear, hey, everyone does it. Everyone looks at it. But what you need to hear is that God is calling you to stay and to wait for him and to trust him. That when you feel insecure about your body and you want to go do X, Y, and Z, that you choose to stay and wait. That when you have sexual urges and desires and, and you want to act out on them and, and you've been told a lie that you should just do whatever you want with your body and whatever you do is not going to hurt anyone else or hurt anyone or hurt yourself, you need to in that moment say, instead of running, I'm going to stay and I'm going to wait. You see, when you don't understand what God's plan is and you're feeling a little lost and you're feeling a little wounded or you're feeling a little insecure first thing you need to do is commit to staying and waiting. And that means you stay and you wait and you say, okay, God, I'm not sure I'm seeing this perfectly. God, I know this is hurting me. And instead of running back there because it feels easy and, and, and normal, I'm going to choose to wait on you. I'm going to choose to settle in. The second thing he tells them to do is this. He says, be a blessing. That when you don't understand God's plan, choose to be a blessing. Check out what it says in verse 7. Also, after you've stayed and after you've waited, also seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. And they're going, are you kidding me, God? This was the city. This was the environment. These were the friends that betrayed me, that hurt me. And he's saying, be a blessing. You know, some of you maybe are wondering, like, man, why are the friendships around me blowing up? Maybe it's because you forgot to be a blessing. And instead, you're just so concerned with how you're being fed from the relationship, how it's directly impacting you, if you're the coolest person in the group, and you forgot that when you don't understand God's plan, when things are messy with friendships or with parents, that he is calling you to be a blessing. This means you've got to move. This means you've got to go. This means you've got to do something. Thirdly, beginning in verse eight, when you don't understand God's plan, listen to truth. Check out what it says in verse eight to nine from God. Yes, this is what the Lord Almighty, again, the God of Israel says, do not let the prophets and diviners among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams you encourage them to have. They are prophesying lies to you in my name. I have not sent them, declares the Lord, that especially when you don't understand God's plan, 
And, and maybe, maybe you have a friendship right now where there's just so much brokenness and you want to run away. That God is calling you to listen to truth. See, I wrote this down in my notes that truth lasts longer than feelings. You can choose to listen to truth or you could choose to listen to your feelings. And your feelings are going to tell you, that person hurt me, I'm absolutely done with them. Your feelings are going to tell you, you know, I'm, I'm wounded right now and, and there's, my parents' divorce is just, or this health concern or whatever is just horrible, so it's okay if I smoke or drink a little bit. It's okay if I go and do this thing. And that moment you're choosing your feelings and truth is always longer, always lasts longer than your feelings. And so as the people of God, we need to choose that instead of listening to the popular messages around us, we are going to anchor ourselves. We are going to devote ourselves. We are going to identify ourselves with God's truth. Here, a question for you. When it comes to what you're going to do on the weekends, when it comes to what you and your boyfriends and girlfriends are going to do together, when it comes to how you're going to deal with that broken, severed relationship, my question for you is this. Whose voice is the loudest, your feelings or God's truth? Who, whose voice wins? Whose voice are you going to listen to? I've had this a lot recently, actually, where I'm just finding myself wanting to do X, Y, and Z. And then in the moment, I'm recognizing, you know what? That is, that's my voice. Those are my feelings. And God would actually have me do this. And it's a really difficult, painful decision. But it's always the best decision. And it's always the decision with the least amount of regrets. It's choosing to be somebody who listens to truth. So, so the follow-up question is this. Would you be able to tell the difference between your voice and God's voice? Would you be able to tell the difference? And here's how you tell that difference. You know his voice. If you don't know his voice, your voice and his voice are going to sound pretty similar all the time. But if you know his voice, if you read it, this is why we tell you that if you're not reading the scriptures, pick it up. We jumped you in Mark this week. We're going to read the whole gospel of Mark together. Spend your days in the gospel of Mark. I was just thinking about this the other day. Whose goal is it right now? Whose goal is it that you don't spend time with God? Is that God's goal? Is that your goal? Or is that Satan's goal? That's Satan's goal. So every time you and I say, ah, I'll sleep in, or ah, that can wait, or ah, I don't really need that, do you know who's winning in your life? It's not God, and it's not you, it's Satan. That Satan is winning, he's victorious in your life. So one great reason to pick up the word is to say, Satan, you don't got a place here. Satan, I'm not going to let you into my life. And fourthly, lastly, when you don't understand God's plan, Seek God daily. Check out what it says here. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, and it involved exile. It's not just when everything makes sense, but God is interworking in those places of pain, of uncertainty, where there's a lack of understanding. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. This is so cool, you guys. Some of you, 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 you just think that God hates you. In scripture, it says over and over again, he's got a good plan for you. 
And, and, and here's what's beautiful about God's plan is that if your plan for the last six months has been moving in this direction, he has the power and he has the ability to move you back onto his plan. That he's not going to make you run 600 miles. He's not going to make you try to earn his love. No, God, at any moment, in fact, tonight could be that night where you say, man, God, I have been on my own path for a really, really, really long time. And he's just waiting there and he's just excited. And you read this verse and you go, God, I believe that you have a plan for my life. I believe that you have a hope and a future for me. And I want to experience that now. And he's like, yes, awesome. You're back. This is so cool. We're throwing a party and in heaven, people are like, you're like the fireworks and it's just it's he's stoked out of his mind because you're back because you're home you see God's plan for you is one of hope and a future then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. Look at James 4.8 real quick, and this is where we'll wrap up. James 4.8 says this. It's actually the, I have it, um, I have it on my phone, like just as the backdrop. Like I used to have my cute kids, and then I deleted them. And so now I have, I have this verse, James 4.8, and it says, come near to God, and he will come near to you. What do you do when you don't understand God's plan? You run to him and you'll find him running to you. You see, no matter what you're going through right now, God is speaking. The question is, are you listening? God is speaking, are you listening? So tonight, what do you need to give up? For some of you, I hope you feel convicted that if there's some addiction going on in your life tonight, you say, I'm done with it. And I'm not just done with it and then God is still angry at me, but I'm done with it and I find that he has a purpose and a hope and a plan for me. So I want you to jump into your small groups and I want you to process this. Tonight, we actually have some of those desserts. Go ahead and get those. Tonight, I'm gonna run around. I have picked one small group just randomly uh, and I'm gonna be bringing by a little treat for you. So go ahead into your small groups. Have a great discussion. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this place. Thank you for this community. Thank you for these students. God, I thank you for what you're doing here and, and, and for the handful of chairs that are open. God, I pray you fill them with the people, with the friends that you know need you, Jesus. And for those of us that, man, we don't understand what you're doing, God, that we're confused about your plan, would we choose would we choose to be still and to wait, to trust you, to hang on, to not just jump out into the things that we desire in the moments, but that we would wait and we'd listen to you, that, that we would be a blessing, that in our friendships, that in our families, that at school we would be a blessing, that we would listen to your truth and not the lies that are around us. And lastly, every single day would we seek you. Because as we come near to you, God, we know that you'll come near to us. Thank you for your love. Pray that every student would know that they are crazy, crazy loved by you. In Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said, amen. Hey, hey.